It's the Locked On Aggies Podcast, presented by Locked On Podcast Network, talking all things Texas A&M. Now, here's your host, Cole Thompson. Howdy, everybody, and welcome back into another episode of Locked On Aggies, presented by the Locked On Podcast Network. Cole Thompson here in the driver's seat, talking all things Texas A&M, and today, We're going to round out our first half of the Elite Eight, find out who's going to be in our Final Four as we head to the greatest Aggie player of all time. Before we begin, make sure you're following us on social media, at Mr. Cole Thompson. That is my name. Uh, It's very simple. Don't wear it out. And secondly, at Locked on Aggies. Locked on Aggies is your number one source for all things Texas A&M related content via the Locked on Podcast Network. So you're going to want to stay up to date with us on social media. It's simple, at Locked on Aggies and at Mr. Cole Thompson. Follow both. Subscribe to us on iTunes, Spotify, wherever you're at. And make sure you're listening every day for daily content surrounding all things Texas A&M. Now, of course, due to coronavirus and COVID-19, everything going on with that, the world of sports has kind of been put on hold. But one thing that hasn't is the style that players will be suiting up in whenever football does come back. And if you don't know what I'm talking about, why don't you go hit up Twitter real fast and go check out the brand new uniforms for two NFC South teams. On Tuesday, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers revealed their brand new uniforms for the 2020 season, now with TB12 under the helm. Uh, They, of course, are a kind of a dark gray, uh, the the traditional red, and then the pure white with white pants. They came out really schnazzy. I really liked their look. I hated the digital clock number style. So now they're going to go back to kind of a traditional style look, which I think will help them, especially, and make them look better on the field, even better than what Tom Brady's going to do to that offense. But later on Wednesday, the Atlanta Falcons released their brand new jerseys, and Swing and a miss, guys. Not going to lie on that one because while I do think the black with the white pant look is fantastic, if you don't know what I'm talking about, go to AtlantaFalcons.com or go to Falcons at Falcons. Go check out what Calvin Ridley's wearing. That look is dynamite. Looks fantastic. You cannot argue that the black on white really works. And then the white on white isn't that bad. I mean, don't get me wrong, there's not a lot to really go with white on white, but you know it's an away uniform. You know they're going to be pretty snazzy, especially with their black helmet as the accent. I think that's not a terrible look. But the red, the red was a miss. Uh, I don't like those big blocky ATL letters. I don't think that they work really well. I don't like the pant style with it. And then their gradient look, which is probably their color rush jersey, please let it be worn one time. It literally looks like somebody was painting an all-black masterpiece, and a guy just dribbled red on it, and they said, oh, yep, you know what? That looks pretty good. We're going to keep that. But because of this spread, and we started seeing it, why does this contain to Texas A&M? Simple. Uh, the Athletic Director Ross Bjork actually answered a fan question talking about potentially changing up uniforms, and he actually tweeted out, Nothing fires up Twitter in a good way more than Aggie football uniform talk. Uh, there was, of course, a Texas A&M fan suggested that the uniforms from the 1998 Big 12 championship season uh, were worn against the Aggies in Kentucky two years ago in honor of the 20th anniversary. That actually started to get a petition to gain new uniforms for the future. For anyone who doesn't know what that is, it was the maroon glossy helmet with white face mask and maroon jerseys with a vintage style look. With this now kind of being coronavirus central where nothing else can go on, 
they are now planning to potentially release new uniforms for A&M in the couple of weeks. Of course, right now, that also goes into marketing, that goes into sponsorships. You know, it, will a sponsor be willing to change up their uniforms? But uh, Bjork actually tweeted out, I'm going to follow the lead of Kellen Mond. Oh, you haven't heard, he said with the laughter of sports writers. Um, we had a little fun with Twitter over the weekend. Kellen's a great young man, but obviously we're both sports fans. Nothing to talk about. Uh, they are planning to reveal uniforms uh, in the coming weeks. Uh, now, what they are is going to be up to somebody else, but I do think that it's up to know why not add new uniforms. With all this kind of COVID-19 stuff going on, why not just start fresh? That's my main point of this conversation. If everything is going to be completely changed, you're going to have to regroup, rebuild, redo everything, just retool the uniform style. And I would love to know your opinion on what uniforms you think would look the best for an A&M home game. I'm going to go with my personal style. I think the maroon gloss helmet is a fantastic look. I think that that is the look that represents the 12th man in the best way or the Met style helmet. Uh, the the one that's literally looks like it's a construction hat. It's built tough, built hard, uh, ground and pound of wanting to score, wanting to make an impact for your team. I think that'd be an excellent look for Texas A&M. The face mask, I'm going to agree. I love the white face mask. I think that that white face mask going up against a maroon style, whether it be gloss or met style, will benefit. It will make the helmet pop. It will make the logo on the side extend and blow up and look a thousand times better. I think that that is a look for the helmet. For the jersey style, I actually do not mind the jerseys they've been wearing at home recently. I do think that it would be cool if they did something a little bit more than just the maroon and white. If Maybe you added like a black accent or maybe you have an alternative black jersey. But I do think the maroon is a very simple, basic look. Uh, you know the number style. It's very SEC. It's very 12th man. It is the exact same used in the 12th man logo that is on their jerseys. So you're not going to get away from that. But maybe if they added something a little bit more to it, like a double style counter look, I think that that would be pretty cool to build a and Maybe give them that accented color to build make the numbers pop even more pant wise I'm always a detriment for if you are the home team I think that you need to wear white pants if you are the away team I think you need to wear some other style pants to kind of mesh well so if they're away get maroon pants if they're home get white pants I think that's a very classy look and that's Texas A&M uh, they're very classy with what they do but there there was once a black uniform out for A&M and I think that if you bring that back That'd be really, really great. There was a line that I always heard in college when I went to Alabama talking about how Georgia would always wear black when playing the Crimson Tide. And Scott Cochran, now the special teams coordinator for the Bulldogs, actually said in the first game, they're wearing black because they know they're going to their funeral. And both times, Alabama beat the living crap out of Georgia in those two years when one was at home and one was at um, Sanford Stadium. So again... The black look is a really great look, but I think it's only best to use it once a, once or twice a year. A clean, but maybe a little bit more adjusted look 
on the uniform colors, especially with the accents and little tidbits here and there, all I think would make this uniform pop beautifully while still representing the 12th man as the institution that represents more so than just players on the football field. It is a community culture that needs to expand the horizon for education and for productivity on the football field. Or plain and simple, just go an all-white look every single game with accented maroon colors. I think that'd be a great look, with the, especially with a white face mask and a uh, uh, maroon helmet yeah that would be an awesome look in my personal opinion we're gonna move on into our elite eight for the greatest aggie of all time four men will enter the arena two will be walking away into our final four who will those be we'll be breaking down those names and who's moving on in just a quick moment Locked On Aggies, presented by the Locked On Podcast Network. Cole Thompson here in the driver's seat talking all things Texas A&M. Guys, the Locked On Podcast Network has something very exciting coming up in the next few weeks for you to listen to on a daily basis while you're at home. We have our very own 2020 NFL mock draft with all of our names from the Locked On NFL side plus some of the biggest names in Locked On College Football. You're going to want to listen to Brian Peacock and the crew break down every single pick in the first round, including trades are possible. So you never know, maybe someone is planning something that could be going on come April 23rd when Roger Goodell steps up to whatever podium he is on. But you're definitely going to want to listen to that. That starts next week. Make sure you download it and check it out at LockedOnPodcast.com. We're moving on into our Elite Eight, breaking down our top two seeds in our first bracket. Of course, you know who those two are. Von Miller and Johnny Manziel battling it out for the number one chance to go on to our final four and continue their bracket with the greatest Aggie of all time. I'm going to start with Johnny Manziel, and a lot of A&M fans are definitely going to be probably pissed off about this. But again, I consider everything about a player. I look at their NFL career. I look at their post-career in sports in general, what they've been up to. You look at their high school stats, how they were. Everything kind of goes into this. And Manziel, while he was a three-star recruit, underrated, definitely impressed, comes in and is a game changer for Texas A&M. I mean, that, that's the only way to put it. Without him in that 2012 season, we could have seen A&M been in the doghouse of the SEC. You got to remember that this was the very first year that Missouri and A&M were joining the conference, and all they did was one actually ended up going to the SEC championship, And the other one could have been in the running if not for just a couple of losses here and there along the way. I mean, literally, two losses on the year for A&M. And when you look at who they lost to, they're kind of understandable. They lost their uh, opener to Florida. And then they dropped another game at home against the then number six LSU Tigers. Then you look at what else they did. They put the dog keep onto... Auburn, 63-21, they traveled to Mississippi State, who was a top uh, 15 ranked team at the time, 38-13, then go on the road again and beat number one Alabama in Bryant-Denny Stadium. That's all Johnny Manziel. I mean, that was all Johnny Manziel. 
But then you have to look at the things that kind of went with him. Don't get me wrong. He went 11-2 his first year as the, head, as the starting quarterback. 9-4 and four his next year. Got wins in both the Cotton Bowl and the Chick-fil-A Bowl. They finished as high as the number five team in the country during their first year in the SEC. And a lot of that was due to Manziel Magic. But then again, you look at everything that's come to Johnny Manziel since he's left college. Which I do. I really do. Even before college. In 2012... Before he was chosen to be the starting quarterback at AM and before his first game, he was arrested with misdemeanors of disorderly conduct, failure to produce identification, and possession of a fictitious driver, basically a fake ID. That's all it was. He had a late night flight from College Station, Texas. He pled guilty, uh, and the other two charges were dismissed. During the 2013 offseason, he drew so much media attention that he literally was starting to become a huge name for just the wrong reasons. During that 2013 season, he uh, was leaving the Manning Passing Academy early due to the fact that he was oversleeping and missing the start of practices. He also tweeted out that he cannot wait to leave College Station after receiving a parking ticket and got kicked out of a University of Texas frat party, probably just because he went to A&M, but still... All those things were starting to get to him and they were starting to make a name for himself as someone who has that bad boy reputation. On August 4th, ESPN reported that the NCAA was investigating whether Manziel accepted payments for autographs they had signed in January of 2013. The NCAA did not find any uh, evidence to accept that Manziel was taking money in exchange for his John Hancock. But again, during the 2015 offseason, Manziel entered treatment for unsuspected reasons. On May 30th, he was involved in an incident with a heckler at AT&T Bryson Nelson's golf tournament. The heckler had continually asking him for an autograph, and at that point, Manziel became through, uh, fed up and threw a water bottle at him. Same during the season, Manziel was pulled over by a policeman after fighting in his car with then-girlfriend Colleen Crowley. Although no charges were made, Manziel admitted to having some alcoholic drinks earlier that afternoon. Uh, a week later, Manziel announced that after he was announced the Browns starter, Manziel was demoted to third string after a video had uh, surfaced on the internet stating that he was partying when he was supposed to be in a team meeting, got out of the team meeting and faked being sick to go out and party. On January 2nd, 2016, Manziel was seen at the Planet Hollywood Casino the night before the Browns were supposed to play their final game of the 2015 season. He was scratched from the start due to the game because of a concussion. As word of his appearance at the casino approached social media, he posted a visual on Instagram of himself with his dog at home. The next day, Manziel failed to report to the Browns that morning when he was supposed to meet with the team medic. And after all of that, uh, he did not want to play anymore. All he wanted to do was go home. Uh, he even said in an interview with Peter King that every source said he wanted to go play for Dallas, and that was the only team that he was really interested in being with. So he's had a ton of misdemeanors and a ton of bad tabloids to go along with two very good seasons. On the flip side, all you have to do is take one look at Von Miller. And this should be an open and closed case for greatest Aggie on the field, greatest Aggie off the field. Not only was Miller a two-time Big 12 Player of the Year, and not only was he a two-time first-team All-American and winner of the Buckus Award, he's Super Bowl champion. 
Much like Manziel needed to go in to beat the number one team in the nation in college, Miller had to go in and beat the number one NFL team on the greatest stage ever in the Super Bowl 50. He was the reason that the team was probably the biggest winner in the last decade for Denver, and that's why he took home Super Bowl MVP 50 honors. Eight-time Pro Bowler, seven-time All-Pro, three-time first teams, four-time second team, defensive rookie of the year for his career. He's already passed in nine seasons the 100 sack mark. He is the second fastest to get there. Not only that, all except for two years, a year where he did not play in all 16 games. These are the only two years he has not played in all 16 games. 2013 and 2019, five and eight sacks every other time, double digit sacks, always in the running. His highest, of course, came in 2012 where he had 18.5, but ever since then, steady, consistent, 14, 11, 13.5, 10, 14.5. Guy is a monster, and he started that at AM. When he was with the Aggies, again, his numbers, just the same. They were pretty standout. Pretty fantastic. Every year had, the last two years, let me just go with that. He had over 15 tackles for losses. Last two years, had at least 11 sacks on the year. Finished his career, 33 sacks on the year. This is your winner. And I know a lot of people are saying, but Johnny Manziel is more, no. No, I look at everything. Von Miller has been out of college since 2011. He is still in the NFL. Manziel has been out of college since 2014. He made it two years in the NFL. One great season. And and we're going to be breaking this down, of course, in a little bit. This will be on next week's show. We're actually going to start looking at the greatest teams of all time. But one great season with Johnny Manziel under the helm cannot take away from the success and the dominance and the respect that Von Miller deserves, not only as a pass rusher, but as one of the greatest to ever do it, who's come through College Station. Von Miller is moving on. I don't care if I lose fans over this subject. I'm not putting Johnny Manziel any further than Von Miller because Von Miller has represented exactly what the 12th man is supposed to be, but also he's dominated both at the collegiate level and he's dominated at the NFL level. And it's consistency that really makes it for me. Seven touchdowns, seven interceptions. That's why I got to go off of Johnny Mansell's uh, NFL career to go along with so many misdemeanors and misdirections and horrible, horrible life choices that he, as an adult, made. Von Miller clean as a whistle. I mean, the most you're going to see about him is maybe he has a weird tattoo or anything like that. And plus, he doesn't like being around a lot of people. He likes being on farms. He has a major in agriculture. It's going to probably be pretty awesome to see him talk to the agriculture students at AM when he retires as probably a guest teacher for a couple semesters. So Von Miller's the winner. We still have two more people to break down who will be moving on to join Mr. Miller in our final four. Will it be the pass rush extraordinaire Miles Garrett or will it be the elite tackler Datton Wing? Don't go anywhere. We'll be breaking down those names in just a quick moment. 
Locked On Aggies, presented by the Locked On Podcast Network. Cole Thompson here in the driver's seat talking all things Texas A&M. Guys, make sure you're following us on social media at Mr. Cole Thompson and at Locked On Aggies. We are here almost every single day trying to find information and quality content for you to listen to during your stay of COVID-19. You're not going to want to go anywhere. You're going to want to stay put. You're going to want to listen. And we're here to help you get through the days of COVID quarantine silence and craziness so why don't you tune in subscribe and listen to us here on lockedonpodcast.com and catch up with all things 12th man related von miller's moving on to our final four but who will be the other person joining him we have dat new wing and miles garrett this is gonna be a tough one this is really gonna be a tough one because garrett has something that dat new wing will never have or and honestly Unless there is a insanely talented beyond belief, I mean, the closest one to me right now would be Demarvin Leal. Unless Demarvin Leal on this roster right now, th- no one's gonna get this. Miles Garrett was the number one pick in the 2017 NFL Draft by the Cleveland Browns. He is the only Aggie to be selected with the number one pick in any draft since the draft process started. That's a point in his favor. And when you look at what Von Miller did in his first few seasons, the two kind of match up. And this could just be a ploy of what we see in the future of Miles Garrett getting in the backfield and wrecking a quarterback. In Miller's first three seasons in the NFL, he had 35 sacks. In Garrett's first three seasons in the NFL, he's had 30 sacks. His best year came in 2018 where he had 13.5 During his second year, that was another great year. It was 18.5 for Miller. Uh, During those three years, you look at the numbers overall. There's more tackles from Miller, but Garrett's also been playing a 4-3 defensive end, which I think could be a reasoning for him having lesser plays and making more of an impact as a pass rusher, where Miller was a stand-up, so he had to play a little bit more coverage, had to make a name for himself that way. Both are pro bowlers by their second year. That's a given. So you know that these two represent AM very well when it comes to making a quarterback nearly crap his pants on a daily level. But there was a guy who did it before all of them at a very consistent level, and that is Dat Nguyen. Nguyen to this day still is in the history books as the only Aggie to have the most consecutive starts in his career with 51 because he played all four years. And also... He still leads AM history in tackles with 500, and I believe it's 10, 517 career tackles. He averaged for his time at the collegiate level 10.7 tackles per game. His best game, he had over 23 tackles in a game. He was named the Southwest Newcomer Defensive, uh, Defensive Newcomer of the Year. From 1996 to 1998 here in first team all Big 12 honors three consecutive times. He also won the Bernardic Award, which goes to the nation's best defensive player. And the Lombardi Award, which goes to the most uh, uh, the most outstanding college lineman. Uh, he was also selected as a finalist for the Buckus Award, becoming the first runner-up. Uh, he only had 45 votes. That That's kind of a shame. But... He was a first. Uh, he was the Big 12 Defensive Player of the Year in his last year. He was unanimous All-American in 1998. He was part of the All-Rookie Team in 1999 with the Dallas Cowboys. He was a second-team All-Pro in 2003, and he had a he had a great NFL career. It was short, seven years, 
516 tackles, six sacks, seven interceptions, four forced fumbles. But again, when you look at his professional career with the Cowboys, every year he still was making an impact. In 2000, he had 64 tackles. In uh, 2002, he would miss eight games, so that kind of hurt him. In 2003, he had over 100 tackles. In 2004 and 5, over 100 tackles. And he retired only due to a neck injury and knee problems. Besides that, guy was sound at the NFL level. So he was consistent. Miles Garrett is on the rise. But again, he was just an unfair advantage for players when they were loading up against him at the collegiate level. You don't see many guys with his size matching up against you on an every snap-by-snap basis. So, of course, he was going to get the recognition. And, yeah, 11 sacks his first year, 11.5 his second year, 8.5 his last year from the move to the SEC. He had 12.5 tackles for losses, 19.5 tackles for losses, and 15 tackles for losses. He had a down year and still was going to be the number one overall pick. Nguyen had to show he was undersized. He was still a little rusty. You, you didn't really know where to play him. And pretty much coaches told him, go out there and hit. Make plays with your body. And that's all I did. For that reason alone, I'm moving Dat Nguyen on. Because if you can't be the all-time record holder for over 20 years in a category and not be considered one of the greatest Aggies to ever do it. To me personally, this is the matchup that's going to win it right now. Von Miller, Daten Wing when we do our Final Four. That's personally me. I think that that's going to be the person who in the end is hoisting up our make-believe locked-on Aggies trophy for greatest Aggie of all time. But Daten Wing easily to me will be the probable front-runner unless social media or other people have something to say. That's going to do it for this edition of Locked on Aggies. Hopefully you enjoyed the show. We will be back tomorrow, but while you're at it, why not listen to one of our great shows surrounding all conferences, including the All Big 12 show, the Locked on SEC show, the Locked on ACC show, and of course, the Locked on Big 10 show. Tomorrow, we'll be breaking down our final four. Who will be moving on? Will it be John David Crow or Mike Evans? Or could Quinton Corrett, although having a down year, and a down NFL career, beat out Richmond Webb. We will be breaking down those names tomorrow. We will see you then. And remember, gig them y'all. This has been Locked on Aggies. Presented by the Locked on Podcast Network.